Hey, it's Aaron Ross, best known for being the best-selling author of a book called Predictable Revenue, also now known for having 12 kids, hyperscaling the family, from zero to 12 kids in the last five years. I'm very excited about a new book I have coming out very soon with Jason Lemkin called From Impossible to Inevitable, How Hypergrowth Companies Create Predictable Revenue. Really, through everything I've learned the last few years or even longer, what does it take to get a company to grow faster, like why they don't. And there's so many lessons learned from experienced entrepreneurs and dead ends and why, you know, you don't have to go through them. So sort of Jason and I attempt to instill a bunch of painful knowledge to the next generation so they don't have to go through what, we, what we've been through. From Maintain Media, this is Digital Frontiers, a show about the people pioneering the digital economy in Asia. For show notes, visit us at maintainmedia.com. Hi, welcome to Digital Frontiers. I'm Michael Walters. And this is Andrew Roth. This week on the show, we have Aaron Ross from Predictable Revenue. He is now the author of his new book, From Impossible to Inevitable, that he co-wrote with Jason Lemkin from Storm Ventures. What do you think of the show, Michael? I think it's a a great change in focus uh, from the first book, Predictable Revenue. I know you've read it inside out and you're very much focused on the sales aspect and applying it within uh, your startup. This seems to be a bit broader, um, how to harness growth, not just at a startup, but also at larger organizations. Yeah, I, like, I think the key word is growth. There is a lot of chatter out there right now about you know various buzzwords around growth, growth hacking and all that. What I did like is that it goes into the specifics on what to do about it. So if you are in charge of a startup or on a big project in an enterprise, you can uh, perhaps apply some of these, these lessons. And there's about seven of them. And um, I think what you'll hear from Aaron are just a few of ideas on why he wrote the book, and you'll walk away with a few things you can apply today. Let's get into it. Great. All right. Uh, today on the show, I have Aaron Ross, the author of uh, Predictable Revenue, and his new book is called From Impossible to Inevitable. Aaron, welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks, Andrew. Happy to be here. Yeah. So we um, we had the opportunity to work together a bit for... Um, my company Perks, and that's where I really got to know you through Predictable Revenue. But um, give us just a, a few minutes of sort of the, your journey from uh, from that book um, to your new one. Yeah, so the the book Predictable Revenue, which is what I'm most famous for so far, came out about four years ago. Uh, people call it now the sales bible of Silicon Valley. And there's a couple of big ideas. So from what I hear from people, just changed the whole way they thought about sales. So for example, one is the fact that it's lead generation, specifically predictable lead generation that drives growth, not the number, like size of your sales team. Mm-hmm. And two is that you have to specialize your sales roles, which means that instead of salespeople juggling everything, prospecting and closing and managing a book of business, et cetera, you've got different people doing different roles, prospectors who prospect, closers who close, account managers, etc. And so the new book, you know, the last four years, I mean, I've learned a lot in terms of why do companies grow, why don't they grow, like why do they some struggle, why some don't. Uh, myself and my co-author, Jason Lemkin, who is the founder of a company called EchoSign, sold it from more, from, you took it from zero revenue to more than $100 million in revenue. Including selling it to Adobe for more than a hundred billion. Um, so together, you really what we, we put together is this book that is like a growth bible, 
for helping you answer these questions. You know, first, why aren't you growing as fast as you want? Mm -hmm. Um, What does it take to grow faster? And how do you sustain it? So it's like all the lessons learned from the prior book plus more to, you know, really like the, the best bit, you know, growth Bible we could put together for people. Yeah, I think I think the uh, journey from predictable revenue, uh, the 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 sort of focus on very uh, uh, tactical or implementable things, or it was sort of a methodology on how you build a um, an outbound team and outbound sales team, in sort of the midst of all this uh, chatter about inbound sales, um, and then at the same time, uh, this is a few years ago, I was, I was reading Jason's blog at Saster dot com. Um, so he was giving a lot of very specific tactics on how you hire your first VP of sales and, you know, really get through that, um, initial stage of growth. What, what struck me from, um, the new book is that it's, it's also applicable, um, for non-startups, right? Yeah. If you, if you read the book, it's, it's written primarily for comp, for business to business companies or companies that have salespeople. Um, so there's seven parts. The first part is called nail a niche. Second part is called create predictable pipeline and so on. But the way that we wrote it was that if you're actually have, you know, almost any business, uh, or even if you're, if it's your own personal career, it's the same principles. So a lot of the specific examples are more for direct sales based companies, B2B, but the principles are the same. So the first, I'll just share a bit from the first part. It's called part one. It's called nail a niche, and each part has a, a painful truth. The painful truth for the first one is is the truth is that you're not ready to grow. Right. And there's a lot of companies, a lot of a lot of people who want their career to take off, a lot of companies who want to grow twice as fast, five times as fast, but they're not at a place where they're ready to even able to do that yet. And it goes into why and how do you get ready to grow? Like, what does it take to even be able to grow faster? Yeah, and you and you kind of highlight. I like I like in that particular section how you highlight um, some of the sort of warning signals that you're not ready to grow. And um, I think one of the the points in there was that your your either your outbound or inbound strategy just haven't worked, or they haven't yep. you know shown you the signals. Um, what 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 specifically would you be looking at if you were like coaching a team about uh, sort of the the canary in the coal mine on their on their outbound efforts? Yeah, there's a few and. So for example, like you said, if you if you spent money on marketing or like sales prospecting and it just hasn't really worked well or consistently, like if, if all that's worked for you primarily has been word of mouth or referrals, mm-hmm. like that's for sure. I mean, that's almost guaranteed. Another one is, or another way to say that is how many unaffiliated customers have you signed up or can you sign up unaffiliated customers? By definition, it's people who don't know you or your brand in some way, right? They sort of come out of nowhere or you find them out of nowhere. Another one um, is if you're a services business mm-hmm. or if you're a platform, right? You can sort of do a lot of things. If you're struggling, it's probably because you haven't nailed your niche. Yeah, I'll give you one example. So when I say a platform company, it could be a tech company, it could be someone else, but you're like, I can. You can use this stuff to build all kinds of cool things. That can, or services. The mindset of those companies tends to be, um, you know, what got you, what made you successful so far is the ability to say, "Look, I've got this cool stuff. I've got this talent. 
I'm great at marketing. I'm great at sales. I've got this you know, API platform. Like, what's your problem? Mm. Okay, you tell me your problem. I'm listening, listening. Oh, I know how to help you. I'll help you with ABC. Right? You can listen to the problem. Um, you're very smart. And then you can suggest a solution that's going to help. But every time it's a bit different. That growth, that mindset to get off the ground, which made you successful so far, is the opposite in many ways of what will make you grow faster. Which is, uh, it's hard to make this shift, but this is the problem we solve. Do you have that problem, yes or no? Yes? Great. You don't have that problem? Okay, I'm going to move on. Find mm. someone who has that problem. So if you take this, what you're saying is if you take this sort of uh, traditional consultative style of selling where you're sort of a, a, a jack of all trades and, you know, come into my office, tell me about all your problems and I'll, I'll go back into my office, I'll, I'll talk to some people, see how we can customize sort of a, a, a solution for you. That's just uh, initially just not how you scale fast. Um, yeah, no. Yeah. no. Do you have any examples of uh, sort of... Uh, from salesforce.com or from uh, your days working with uh, some of your current clients on, on how that you've been, you've been able to help a, a company turn that around? Yeah. Uh, you know, and there's some examples in the, in the book, but what, you know, and one type of, you know, one type of example is, you know, when I say nail a niche, it's not that you're thinking small. It's really you're, you're being focused. You can have a big vision, but don't let a big vision confuse you into sort of, tangible steps today that are simple for people to understand and act on. You know, Amazon always had, you know, Jeff Bezos always had a vision for e-commerce and but they started just with books. You know, Zappos started just with shoes. Salesforce.com started really just with Salesforce automation. Um, Facebook started just with heart, you know, like Ivy League schools. Hmm. So it's you know picking a really specific thing to get really good at as your beachhead or your foundation before trying to do more. Uh, you know, the, a problem, I'll give you a couple more examples in a second here, but one problem is when you're good at lots of things, mm -hmm. it's hard to pick one thing to be great at. So there's one more example. There's a company called American Data. They're, they're, they're a company in Los Angeles. I, I worked with them mm -hmm. in a few years. They did Salesforce.com implementations and services, right? So if you had Salesforce.com, you looked at their website, it's like, do you want help with your sales or your marketing or your support or your dashboards or your this or that? I had 20 things or 50 things they could help you with. And their, their statement, their uh, elevator pitch on the site was something like, you know, we, we help companies, whether you're a Fortune 100 or a small business, whether you need sales help or marketing or support, whether you want like a scalable Salesforce infrastructure with a virtual blah blah blah. I mean, it was just it didn't it was meaningless because hmm. they didn't stand for like one key thing, one key problem they were solving, uh, and they could like really rally around. So yeah, so case, uh, so the message about you know focusing on a specific problem. Um, I think a lot of tech startups, especially the ones that start off um, from an engineering perspective, they get focused on. They're, they, they have a great feature and they may not be evangelizing the problem. Have you, have you seen um, success in companies who focus on that niche well and then really build a, a community around it and a lot of content around it? Yeah. Well, also this, that American data company, what worked for them, so they tried, they started prospecting. 
you know, that's, you know, as you sort of refer to, it's been my expertise. Most of what I do day to day, the companies uh, help them build those programs, but their prospecting didn't work at the beginning because they had too many tar- types of target customers. They didn't really know what they were solving. And when they started, though, we, we finally narrowed down and said, all right, they started doing sort of like a micro niche or a micro campaign just to shopping mall management companies. Because it turns out they had a great shopping mall custom management customer. They built an app. They had some stuff there, and they had a really good story. And when they started to reach out just to shopping mall management companies, they had a really high success rate. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to put the whole center, the whole business around that one area, but it means that, that by narrowing in, at least for that campaign, they were able to turn zero results around into you know, appointments and revenue. Hmm. And then. I think that's it's common, a challenge today. There's too many opportunities, people are good at too many things, and we get this fear of missing out. Well, if I only do shopping mall management companies, what about what about financial services? What about this, what about that? And it's the same thing as the story of the dog that has a bone in its mouth and sees itself in the river, another bone, wants them both, You know, opens his mouth to get the second one and drops the first bone. So it's better to pick one thing and be great at for now. You're not locking yourself in and then, but you to get some momentum and some traction, and to learn what it takes to nail that kind of niche. So let's say you 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 nail the niche, and then you know you're you've you've reached a traction with a very specific audience. What what comes next? What have you seen as sort of the the next point? Yeah. So this is where this nail a niche section is really like a, uh, the precursor. If you've read Predictable Revenue, like this is the section you have to do that before Predictable Revenue would work, which is okay. You nail your niche. It's like you're ready to grow. You sort of can understand, all right, now we have, we're able to do lead generation and have it produce for us. So the second step, you know, in the book, it's part two, it's um, called Create, well, the painful truth is overnight success is a fairy tale. Hmm. Um, you know, so you, and you're not going to be able to grow until you find ways to create predictable pipeline. And, so, and yeah, what, what, what do you feel most people misunderstand the most about lead generation? Well, they think if they put up some kind of viral video or just blog or, I don't know, like do a great product that they're just going to get as much business as they can handle. Like like lots of leads will just come to us. And a great product, even a great blog, that's just not enough. Right, or you may, not, you may not be uh, taking advantage of all the opportunities if you're not doing something proactive such as lead gen yeah. or some kind of outbound initiative. Yeah. Yeah, or it's sort of this, you know, overnight people saw like Slack or like, wow, they put up this app and it exploded. And if I just create good stuff, people are going to come in and buy it. I'm not going to have to sell. I'm not going to have to market. I'm not going to have to do any work. Yeah, a lot of people hope for that, right? They, they start companies up thinking that the, the, the product will go viral. It'll just be really good. Even if it's like a B2B SaaS type company, they hope that, uh, that they don't need any salespeople. But, um, yep. I guess once you nail that niche, then if you really want to accelerate growth, you, you, de- you do need to build uh, a team. And um, uh, so- somewhere along the way, and I think in the tech community, this, the, this idea of sales or um, business development has, has become perceived as, as too expensive. But I think you know, yeah. from listening to it's you and Jason, it's the complete opposite, right? No, you need, first of all, you need sales. If you're selling, and we'll, we'll get to that in the book too, um, a lot of entrepreneurs also start off by you know, offering a free trial, freemium, or maybe like a $10 a month. And 
it's another section, I'm not going to skip ahead, but you can't build a big business out of small deals, or it's really hard. And the Nate, almost every SaaS company that tries to grow ends up, whether you start there or not, you end up hiring salespeople, prospectors, closers, account managers. They're incredibly valuable. You can make a lot of money with them. They can be amazing employees. They don't need to be manipulative. They don't need to be salesy. And not to be afraid of it, but, but to appreciate, wow, like that kind of sales team can be a fantastic way to help grow your company. As one, so if I step back, the idea of, if you, okay, you've got this product, you've nailed your niche. Um, you know, the part two goes into, you know, generating, how do you generate leads in a way that they keep coming, keep, you know, like systematic programs to generate leads, right? How to create predictable pipeline. Because if you can't create leads or pipeline in a predictable way, you're not going to be able to control your growth. You know, same thing, sort of updates and refreshes some stuff from the original predictable revenue where now going to, there's, you know, seeds, nets, and spears, but I define Mm -hmm. seeds as, Cut, you know, really the best way to grow word is word of mouth. The best way to grow it is to have a systematic program around customer success. Yeah, I mean, people the c- customer success um, for for people not sort of in the in the software as a service world is is, is more or less a, a team of, of professional services of people that will make sure that the the client's getting the most out of the software and the system. And they're really uh, uh, product specialists, and so you've seen their role grow, and obviously, in the, from a sales perspective, yeah, it, it should grow and grow. I mean, it should be like the, one of the biggest growing functions. It, it's like it's, it's like the flip side to customer support, where customer support implies people fixing problems. Customer success is a team and mindset of preventing problems with, from being created in the first place. I, I'm a believer. You know, the book lays out that why you should care about it. Um, I don't, I just, you know, because it is important. It's more important than sales. That is under, under invested in. People don't invest early enough or big enough in this role. Yeah, I think it'll definitely be a topic that comes up more often. It'll be interesting to see how it grows. I think what made predictable revenue so famous and popular is that it was very, you know, you, you could, uh, you know, read it once and, and, and start applying things. Um, and in, from impossible to inevitable, you have some of that in here. There's a section on, you know, making a list, yeah, you know, actually you know, writing down your top, you know, five to 10 target customers and then uh, listing out uh, what the problems are, how you might solve them. What, that, that's sort of, uh, it seems like a, a basic thing. Are, are, you, are you finding a lot of, of your clients that you just don't do that? Yeah. Uh, I think you're talking about like, these matrix exercises. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. A lot of clients don't do it, or even if they did it, and you need to redo it, and you know, at different times. Um, it's never it's almost, any company that's growing. You can never go back too many times to say who's our customer, when are they, bu- what types, what discerns the people who are buying versus the ones who aren't. How do we go bigger in deal size? What are their problems? Um, you just can't do that enough times. There's always a reason to do it, especially if you're launching like a new product. Or going to new territory, or have new people, uh, or doing some kind of new lead generation program. But you know, the goal of the book is to make it practical and simple. There's a lot in it. Um, you know, if there's one concern, is like, hmm, there's just Jason. There's like, there's a lot of information in it, a lot of like tactical ideas, but they're all important. So, yeah, I think it's a good combination between what what 
what Jason often writes about and what um, what you've been you've been evangelizing. What what's new about this? What have you learned from Jason that you feel has has made this sort of the the next step after predictable revenue? Um, well, you know, there's a lot of stuff from Jason. You know, he has a bunch of areas of expertise, like as you mentioned, like VPs of sales, like leadership. You know, what makes how do you know you got the right one when you know they're failing? Um, what does it take to scale? There's some stuff around why does it take seven to ten years? So mentioned part five is called do the time and the painful truth is it's going to take years longer than you want mm-hmm. and so you have to be able to do the time um you know including if you have a year of hell so so yeah so the explain journey, explain for everyone what the year of hell means obviously it could be two years it could be less but it's sort of this long period where everything seems to be going wrong and whether you're stuck in a plateau whether you're shrinking whether you're rest- um, there's a story in here about an entrepreneur, entrepreneur named David Ulovich who started a company called OpenDNS, you know, recently sold it for $600 million to Cisco. He had two years of hell. Like, so it was, a, it was like a 10-year, you know, seven, it took him 10 years to, from sort of scratch to doing that. And one year of hell was when he, investors sort of, he left, hired a professional CEO um, didn't work out, and he had to come back and like fix culturally. There were a bunch of problems. Mm. That took a year, and then another year of hell a few years later, where they were trying to grow the company and they couldn't. They had investors, high demands. They were still based more on like word of mouth and, and referrals and organic growth, and it took a year for them to retool to in order to sort of nail their niche at that next level, and to be able to drive their own predictable growth with you know lead generation and inside and field sales and to get that like you know sales and marketing engine working yeah i can imagine that's not an overnight thing maybe um tell tell me about um your story yourself i mean tell the story why did you leave you know salesforce it sounds like you were you know you built it up to its like first hundred million in revenue correct uh well yeah i mean i it wasn't so much as first hundred million i started there when there was about 150 people it's probably I don't know, fifty million or forty or eighty or so. My my team helped add an extra hundred million. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that was back then. Now it's been I'm sure a lot more, but um, it's you know, the same lessons from that was you can't control your growth of your company unless you can control your lead generation. Is one thing that's what drives growth. There's different kinds of lead generation. And I think helping entrepreneurs, especially for earlier stage companies, it tends to be this belief that if I do great work, I'm going to grow. Like it'll just sort of magic, it'll just happen, which mm-hmm. happens enough. You see in the blog stories, you know, it's like the one out of a, a hundred or one out of, you know, some very small number of stories that we get this really fast growth from just doing some cool thing. But yeah, it's sort of the Holly, Hollywood version of, of of growth. Whereas you know, the the boring parts, the the hard work, the the grit required to to get that stage is, yeah. is the differentiator. Yep, and you know what they don't tell you is you all, even all those fast successes is probably at least a few years of work preloading that that instant overnight success. Yeah. So so Aaron. Um, you know, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, appreciate your time. I think we just touched uh, parts of the book. Will be um, uh, 
adding more about this in the in the show notes. Um, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, and uh, I forgot to mention that you can actually that whole chapter nail and niche. Some other parts you can get as a free sample on from impossible.com. So just go there as a you know, it's a PDF. You can grab it. There's a lot of details in that even that one chapter, and it's uh, the book's available at least in the U.S. in on February 9th. Well, I'll make sure that we start you know spreading the word about it uh, here in uh, Singapore and and beyond. Um, and uh, thanks again. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you, Andrew. Digital Frontiers was produced by Andrew Roth and me, Michael Walters. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can leave us a review on iTunes. If you have any questions, please go to our website at maintainmedia.com and leave a comment in the show notes. If you want to be notified of future episodes, please sign up for the newsletter.